Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, today I'm starting a series called Growing Together. I don't know how far I'm going to get in today. Uh, I barely got through, I didn't get through the, the first one today, but I'll just stop when I need to stop. So uh, if you didn't get a, 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 did anyone get a, did everybody get a handout, a handout? Just looking for a handout. No, I'm just kidding. No, I have handouts for, uh, <laughs> I have handouts that, that when you walked in, if you don't have one, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand and someone will get you a handout right here? Um, just raise your hand. I'd like for everybody to have one because I'm going to be going over this and I think it'll help you know where we're going here with this. Uh, it's called Growing Together. I'm going to be talking for at least three weeks on it, maybe maybe four, but I think it'll be three weeks. It's called Growing Together. And today's week one and I basically I want to, the Bible says without prophetic vision, people perish, people cast off restraint. And I want to give you some prophetic vision for our church want to walk through some things, uh, but anytime you hear that, it's not just for our church, it's for you, because we are the church. You know, in the, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wasn't talking about physical ears, he was talking about spiritual ears. So let me just ask you today that, would you open up your spiritual ears to hear the Lord? Not just hear my words, but as I'm speaking as the word of the Lord is being shared, there's an atmosphere of the, the word of the Lord that's going out. And God will speak to you questions that you've been asking that may not even be exactly what we're talking about. And you just take them and write them down. You'll catch. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord's saying. But I know the Lord's saying to us something corporately, collectively, but also individually. So open your heart to the word of the Lord. If you have a Bible, just hold it up right now and say this. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. So I open my heart today to hear and receive the word of the Lord. Open up to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 13. Psalm 92, verse 13. It's one of my favorite passages. I know it's my wife's favorite passage. And it says this, those who are planted, in fact, read it with me, would you? If you don't have it in New King James Version, just look on your screens. Let's fill this place with the voice of God's word today, loudly and out loud. Let's say, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Say it one more time. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Lord, we open our hearts to your word today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It doesn't say those who visit the house of the Lord. Those who check out the house of the Lord. Those who come around the house of the Lord to see what's going on over at that church. You know that there's some people who don't even know what it's like to be planted in a church. They don't trust the church. Churches hurt me. The church has done things wrong. Can I tell you, no church is perfect, but I found the perfect church. Yeah, you just started going there, didn't you? <laughs> twice. I've already gone there twice. Yeah, go there a little while longer. You're going to find an imperfect church because the church isn't a building. The church is people. And so if you're expecting a church to be perfect, you're not going to find the perfect church. You're going to be disappointed, and guess who's going to miss out? You are along with the church that you belong in. But notice what it says, those who are planted shall flourish. Those who are planted shall flourish. I believe there's a lot of people who aren't flourishing in the things that God's called them to do because they've never been planted. They've never been planted. Well, it's hard to be planted. Okay, then don't flourish. 
Well, it's, it, it, it's vulnerable to be planted. It's true. Do you know, uh, in fact, last week, it was, uh, we were in California this last week. I was visiting my mom and, uh, with my family. We were helping her out with some things. And as we were back there, we went to Home Depot. And at Home Depot, we got some flowers to plant in their front, you know, flower beds and such. And, and we got a few flowers. And here's how it usually goes with that. Tiffany will say, here's what we need to do. And she'll fill up these baskets with flowers. And she'll kind of go place some. Like, you know, the pre, they're already in the plastic, you know, things. And she'll go place these flowers where they need to go around the flower beds. And then me and the boys will kind of dig and, and do the dirty work. You do that. Though you, I know, did step in too. too. I love you, baby. Okay. So... So she'll go set those things, and then we'll dig the holes and plant them, okay? What would happen if we didn't plant them? What would happen if she just set them in the right places? Well, eventually, they'd either die or they'd be thwarted. See, this is what happens is we want to attend church, be in the location of church, be around a church, be around a body, but we're not planted. Planted means get out of your pot. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of yourself. Take a risk. Step into the place that God's called you to. Get, get de-planted from your, plant, from your pot and get planted into the house of the Lord. I don't like this house. Then go to another house and get planted. It really doesn't matter. You have to be where God's called you to be. Well, I like that church better. Do you know, you, I don't believe you get to pick your family. <laughs> Just show up at Thanksgiving. You probably didn't pick them all, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't pick them. <laughs> Drunk Uncle, you know, John, and and uh, and well, I won't I won't keep making comments. But you, we're sitting here, and you you look at your family. That's still your family. You may not be uh, happy with all of them. You may not have picked them, but they're your family. I think the same thing with the church. You don't pick a church because it has everything together. In fact, sometimes the Lord will lead you a church that doesn't have things together because you're supposed to be the fix. All I see when I go there, well, maybe that's you're the solution to that thing you see. If, see, if, we, if we're looking for a place that fills just our needs, it's selfish. You never walk into a relationship for what you can get. If you've been married, you'll realize that. You don't walk in and, and just try to, try to get into a relationship just for a thrill and what you can get and the feeling that you can get. You walk in to give, and in the process of giving, what's happening? You're getting, I just read an article this morning that was sent to me in my email, and it said, for the very first time, the church, the, Gallup poll just did a, a, a survey, and the church just went below, the, the, the United States just went below 50% of people who are even attending church anymore below 50 it was up in the 70s and you know back in the 30s and then it was and then after world war ii it went up to 76 and then in the 80s it kind of came back down to 70 and then in the 90s it was kind of in the 70s and then it kind of in 2010 it went down a bit you know in the 60s and then uh, and then 2015 it went down and then now after all this they just took a survey and the, and under 50 percent of people even attend church anymore well because they don't meet my needs and it puts churches under pressure now churches pastors and people have to feel like oh i have to come up with this to entice people to get them happy so that they'll come to church and so i don't want to you know but here's the, here's the reality we need to be together in the church why because the bible says in hebrews chapter 10 do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encourage one another. He didn't say come to church. He said encourage one another. You know what that means? It means a primary reason you come to church is not for you. 
it's for Mark needs encouragement today. So I'm going to come to church to encourage, and I'm going to look around and say, I think Mark needs some encouragement. Hey, Mark, how's it going? How are you doing? Can I pray for you, Mark? You know, I came to encourage, you know, somebody. I came to encourage Lizzie. Hey, how are you doing this morning, Lizzie? You know, I'm talking, I came to encourage and build. And as I come to encourage others, what happens? I walk out encouraged. I walked out of church and I didn't get anything. Did you give anything? Give and it'll be gotten. I didn't get anything. What does that mean? It means you didn't give anything. You can't reap from a field you didn't sow into. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm talking about coming to encourage. Do you come to church to bless others? Do you come to church to be an encouragement? Do you look out at one another and be an encouragement with one another? No, you know, I just have my own issues. Yeah, and you'll continue to have your own issues. We all do. But we need to bless and love and encourage one another. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Say it with me one more time. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, our history as a church, okay? And bear with me if you've heard this before. I'll go through this quick. But I just want to tell you a little bit about Memphis Tabernacle because I believe the Lord has called us together as a church and as a family. You know, some people will say, are you part of a denomination? Denomination. And I'll say, you know, denomination. How much money is a denomination? (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're actually a part of an interdenominational movement, uh, meaning that uh, the the family that we're a part of is an interdenominational movement that started out of a revival in the 1900s. It's a, it's a, it's a interdenominational movement called Foursquare. There's 86,000 churches globally, 146 nations. It was born out of revival in the early 1900s. Foursquare really was a term back in the day that just meant uh, like a stand, like you're a stand-up guy or you're a solid person or you're a Foursquare. It just meant let's not get into denominations. Let's preach Jesus. Let's preach the word of God. And here's the four main points. Let's preach Jesus, our savior. Let's preach Jesus, our healer. Let's preach Jesus, our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the full, the fullness of the spirit. And let's preach Jesus, the soon coming king, that we do believe that there's a heaven and a hell and that we have eternity. So if you believe those things, we're together. That's what, that's what this started out back in the early 1900s. And so we, we've been a part of an interdenom- interdenominational movement called Foursquare, Jesus the Savior, Healer, Baptizer, and the Holy Spirit, soon coming King. And I know that, you know, Jesus is a lot more things, but those are kind of our, our uh, you know, our tenets of faith that we believe. Um, also, Tiffany and I come from a church that's called The Rock. And um, uh, we went to, in Anaheim, California, I was born and raised in California. Tiffany was born and raised in Northern California. I'm sorry, but uh, Southern California, I loved and I met her in Southern California. And uh, in, in 1999, we got married. And uh, shortly after we got married, we were praying and we really felt like the Lord wanted us to go partner with my brother, Jerry, and his wife, Kimberly. Uh, we didn't know what they were going to do, but we went and shared it with them. And they said, hey, uh, we haven't told anybody, but we're gonna, we feel like the Lord wants us to start a church. So we started, we kind of went with them. We drove around Orange County and we uh, went to go start a church. And we, with them, helped plant a church called The Rock. Started out with about 20 people, 25 people or so. Grew into several thousand people. We had several thousand, um, tens of thousands of people come to Jesus, were baptized, were, um, were uh, discipled, 
delivered. When we left, we had in 2017, we had 18 congregations uh, across different places in the United States. Um, uh, discipleship was going out through a number of many countries uh, throughout uh, the world. And it was just uh, just an awesome thing. Tiffany and I were uh, overseeing the worship, um, wrote a lot of songs and recorded and and did a, a, we just really, really enjoyed what we were doing. I was the campus pastor of the main campus. I only say that to say where, where background was, if you've never heard it before. Um, I never planned on leaving, uh, but in 2017, we were praying, and I felt like I was like a track. The, 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 the train had come off the tracks. It was something I wasn't catching, and I thought, what's going on, Lord? I came to Tiffany, and I said, hey, I don't know what it is. I think the Lord's adjusting something. And we both had a sense that the Lord wanted us to go pastor a church. I never wanted to pastor a church before. I said, that's too much work, too much pressure. I enjoy what I'm doing. I like. I, I'm, I mean, I am a pastor, but I'm kind of under and working with another pastor. I, I like doing that. It feels good. And so I just thought we'll be there forever. But uh, the scripture came to me in uh, Isaiah chapter 43. As I was reading, it says, Isaiah 43, 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. Um, and the Lord said, David, I just want to give you a forewarning. I'm about to do something brand new, and you're not going to have to do anything. You just watch it. How many of you know that when God tells you to do something, you don't need to make it happen? Sometimes you just need to back off. In fact, your, hand in, your involvement in pushing it forward is probably what's messing it up. So I remember just sitting back and saying, well, and we, you know, we waited. And so I thought, well, maybe the Lord's called us to Long Beach. I like urban, you know, urban culture and city, and it was right on the beach. And I kind of grew up there when I was a kid. My dad worked at McDonnell Douglas and retired there for 30 years. So we went to, uh, we went to Long Beach, and I, I took a bunch of prayer walks and bike walks around there and bike rides around there, and I bought things. You know, I, I was really trying to get, tried to talk God into something. I was trying to get God to let us plant a church or do something in Long Beach. I love Long Beach. So I had it all. I started mapping out vision. Nothing. No bear witness in my spirit. Spirit, nothing. So we went and bought a map of the United States, laid it out on our dining room table, and just for, for two or three weeks, every time we'd just go by and we'd pray, I knew, we both knew that the Lord was calling us into a city. There was a scripture that kept coming into our hearts, which was Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and it said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to do something. There's six things that Jesus was anointed to do in this. But notice he was anointed to do. Do you know too many people step out and try to do God's will without being anointed? Without the Holy Spirit? That's why Jesus said, don't go do ministry. Wait and be empowered. And after you're empowered, then you can go do it, right? And so Jesus said, in fact, even Jesus, Jesus didn't go do ministry until he was baptized and filled with the Spirit and walked in the power of the Spirit and was led in the Spirit. If Jesus had to wait, and if Jesus told the apostles and disciples to wait, then I think you and I need to wait. So what he's saying is make sure you're endued with power. Make sure that there's an empowerment in your life, okay? So uh, we have this scripture the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, heal the brokenhearted, deliverance of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the acceptable year of the Lord. We have a map of the United States, and we have this scripture. As we prayed over it, um, we kept getting drawn to Tennessee. And so uh, we had, there's four major cities in Tennessee. We know it's Memphis, there's Nashville, there's Chattanooga, and there's 
Knoxville, right? For, and so we began to pray over those four cities and say, well, I feel, well, then I started asking some people, hey, what do you know about those cities? And what do you guys think? And where do you think people would recommend us to move to? Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Any other city but Memphis. I didn't have any, anyone recommend Memphis. So at the time, I just thought, ah, I'm not going to ask anybody. You know, God's got us to this. God's got us off the track to this point. So we're just going to pray. So we didn't ask anybody anymore. We just kept praying. And as we're praying, you know, Tiffany and I are talking to Tiffany. Said, do you think the Lord might be calling us to Memphis? I said, I don't know. Well, let's just put it out there. So we didn't know anything about Memphis, nobody from Memphis. We had no association from Memphis at all. All that to say, we just knew clearly that the Lord was telling us, you need to move to Memphis. Went and talked to my brother. I didn't want to. I stalled for about two and a half weeks. Finally, because I didn't, I didn't want to. I love him. He's my, we're, we're partners together in ministry. We have been for 20-some years. So I finally, we went and sat down with them and shared with them what we sensed from the Lord and said, hey, um, I need to tell you this. I feel like, in fact, I know the Lord's calling us to go plant a church. He wants us to plant it in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's not going to be the rock. And that's a big deal because we planted a lot of rock campuses. It's not going to be the rock. The Lord said he wants to do something brand new, and he's going to do it. And, um, and uh, it's going to spring forth. And he said, oh, really? What about Memphis? I don't know anything about Memphis, but we just really feel. And the name of the church is going to be called Memphis Tabernacle. Really? Hmm. It's kind of maybe what you thought when you first heard of the name. <laughs> I thought, Tabernacle? Couldn't you come up with a newer name like, you know, the bridge or the walk or the house or the this or the worship tabernacle. I mean, it's kind of antiquated. I told the Lord when he first put it in my heart, I said, Lord, that's kind of old. And don't you think somebody else, you know, has that name? And, um, but uh, tabernacle is a place. It's really the, the, the dwelling place of God. It's, it's, it's the place God dwells. It's the place God meets people. It's a place where God and people meet. And uh, so I told this, and my brother said, well, why don't you go take a trip? So Tiffany and I, in April of 2017, we got on a plane. We flew into the Memphis airport. We rented a car, and they said, where are you going? We have no idea where we're going, but um, we just drove around the city. As soon as we got out of the car, I think to eat lunch or something, we got out of the car, and as soon as our feet hit the ground, both of us were just in tears because the Lord said, this is home. This is where you're supposed to live your life. And I can tell you, I was, we were in California last week. That's not home anymore. There's things I like about it better. Just like, no, I mean, not many. But there's things, everything I like about here better. Why? Because it's the puzzle piece fits. So, so we're here. We're walking around. I said, I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I know we're supposed to move here. We went back. I waited two and a half weeks. We eventually shared it back with my brother, let him know. My uh, oldest son, we have three boys and a daughter. My oldest son was about to get into high school. We uh, invited them in on the decision. He needed to get into high school. So we did a very quick transition. We announced it to our leadership. I stepped down from a position. Tiffany transitioned out of her position. And we announced it. We moved, and we were living here within four months. Um, drove our 2005 Suburban, which we still own, and... Uh, and uh, drove it out here and got in a car, and it was, uh, I felt like, have you ever got on a, a plane ride, and you come into the plane, and, and the, you wonder if the pilot ever flew before? Like, it's like, boom. <laughs> you wonder, man, whoa. I, normally, they're not like that, but every once in a while, you get someone, and you think, man, that guy fell asleep, 
or something. That's kind of how our trip in Memphis kind of felt. I remember I had a tooth infection. We had a flat tire. Car was breaking down. Kids were crying. Car was packed. It was all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, I didn't care about any of that stuff. In here, we knew the Lord wanted to do something. The more I prayed about Memphis, there was two main things that he put on my heart. One is that the city needs deliverance. Deliverance is kind of a weird word for some people, but they need freedom. They need deliverance. And number two, they need the presence of God. So the Lord said, I want you to uh, really put on our hearts to come plant a church in the middle of the city and bring deliverance in the presence of God. I've come to realize after the thing, two main things that I believe people need deliverance from. One is uh, race, racism. One is racism. And two is um, a spirit of religion. I'm not here to call out. You'll never hear me talk bad about a church or a pastor. I'll never do it. I just don't do it. We're all on the same side. But I do know, I'm not just talking about laws, and I'm not just talking about, um, you know, let's do this and we can solve. Those ki- these kinds of issues aren't solved in a court of law. They stem from the spirit. And I've really just sensed a call, even lately, that we need to pray. We need to quit fighting. We just need to pray. We need to let the presence of the Lord heal people, free people, deliver people. And if you need to call people out, call people out. But, but don't fight in the flesh and think that the fight in the flesh is going to solve something in the spirit. You don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight. You're going to lose. You don't, you don't fight the spirit with the flesh. I think that's what people try to do and they wonder why they're always losing. But we need to stay in the spirit. Somebody say amen today. So all that to say, after we were getting ready to move, we announced that we had three or four families from the rock. We had talked with Nate Miara with some of the cranes. Um, some we had others that... Uh, quit their jobs, picked up and moved and came out here. I said, you know, are you sure? You sure you want to do that? So they did. Then we had, uh, I was in Washington, D.C., and Mark and Lauren Phipps, uh, they, they were there, and they said, hey, can we get together? They said, hey, we heard you announced there in Minnesota. Assistant pastors there, and they said, uh, hey, we feel like the Lord's leading us to go plant the church with you. Um, later on, you know, Neil Kelly up in uh, Michigan, we have Marla Reed over in Arizona, we had several people just from around that just called and said, we heard you're going to go plant a church. We feel like the Lord wants us to go with you. We had probably, when we were starting, including kids, and so we had about 40, 40 or so people um, that went and started. We planted the church in 2018. We started in homes and prayer, and then we moved to East High School, right in the middle of the city, East High School. And we started on September 9th, 2018. It was pouring down rain that weekend, ruined all of our plans for the bounce house and barbecue and all that kind of stuff, just jacked it all up. But we had over 100 people that came out to that. And then um, and then uh, moving forward, we just kept you know meeting every week. Moving forward, June the 9th, uh, just nine months later, June the 9th, on Pentecost Sunday, we ended up purchasing this building and moving into here. Uh, on Pentecost Sunday, we moved into here uh, just two years ago, and uh, less than two years ago. And um, uh, we spent the time renovating it and getting things going. But then just nine months later, or then, then we got into uh, January of 2020, 
Uh, we started Sunday worship and Tuesday prayer. Things are going really good, powerful in the spirit. The church went, you know, an attendance from 100 to 150 to 200 at that time last year. In January, we were running uh, 250, 275 and more every single Sunday. Um, and then uh, and then in March 15th, uh, COVID shuts down everything. And uh, you can't have church anymore. Well, we didn't have any cameras. We didn't have any. I remember the first time I set up my iPhone. That was the microphone and the video phone. I'm glad it was an iPhone 11, you know, the time. But it was horrible. It was just horrible. So we started working on that. And then a few months later, on again, Pentecost Sunday on um, May the 31st of this last year, we began to open up little by little for services again so that we had kind of two congregations, some live and some online. It felt weird. It felt weird for a lot of people. But we just kept moving forward. How many of you know a lot of churches? I mean, literally thousands of churches closed down last year because of COVID. But let me tell you, this little baby church is two and a half years old, and the Lord's still moving. Why is it working? Because the Lord said so. It's not leadership. Though I love the Lord, and I'm... and. Uh, I can tell you, I'm integrous. I'm above board. I do my best. Our old leadership team loves the Lord, but it's not because we're the sharpest. It's not because we have it all together. But it's because the Lord said, the Lord said that he wants to do a move here and he wants to bring healing and hope and he wants to save people. And there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a revival over our city. That's why we're here. I had so many people tell me, why don't you just plant in the suburbs? It's easier. There's more land. It's more spread out. And I said, if I was just going to start picking where I'm going to plant, it may not have been Memphis, much less the suburbs. We need to be, go where the Lord wants us to go. There's a scripture that says, I will go where I set my name. And I believe with all of my heart that the Lord set his name right here in this place. And the Lord's going to do an outpouring. And already is doing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We just have to believe it and receive it and walk in it together. Uh, two weeks ago, we were, you know, two and a half years old, two weeks ago for Easter, we had over 300 people on Sunday morning. We had over 150 people online. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just keep moving along. Why? Because the Lord said so. The, uh, uh, we still have a few of the same launch team that we had that came from different places. Some of them went back to where they were, and we sure appreciate them. Some of them, you know, just aren't coming and are involved in some other things, which is, which is okay. The majority of, uh, of our team now that runs things is all Memphis natives. They're all running the church and moving on things, and we just are so thankful for what the Lord's doing. But, but I'll tell you who our engine is. It's the, it's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord himself. And unless the Lord goes with us, Lord, keep us right here. Our mission is this. Our mission, pull out your paper. Our mission of uh, spiritual journey consists of three steps. Number one, encounter God. Can you just write down the word encounter God? Encounter God. The words, people come and visit to find a church, but they leave with an encounter with God. You know, my, my, the biggest compliment you could give for someone coming and visiting the church is they walk away and say, God goes there. I experienced the love of the Lord. I don't know how to, there's just, sometimes people don't know how to describe God. They just say, I just feel such love. I just feel such love. They're trying to say, I feel God. And I don't really know how to say it. So encounter God. Exodus chapter 33. Um, remember Moses 
and the children of Israel were following God, and uh, they they had a, they followed the cloud by day and the fire by night, and then God told them to move and go, and then uh, Moses said to God this. He said to him in Exodus thirty three fifteen. He said, "If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here." What is he saying? He says, "I'd rather presence than promotion." I'd rather presence than progress. I'd rather presence than advancement. <laughs> I'd rather stay right here and be with God than move ahead, move ahead of God and wonder where he is. I heard one minister say, I'd rather be two steps behind God than one step ahead of him. Because when I'm ahead of him, he can't lead me anymore. I believe that's why he doesn't tell us things sometimes. Because we're so impatient and we jump ahead of God. But that's not what happened with Moses. Moses said, unless your presence gets in front of us and leads us, just keep us here because we'd rather be with you than move ahead. And here's what it is about the church. Either God is present or he's not. You can't fake presence. And what happens when you walk into a church and there's no presence? People try to fill in the gap. And it gets tiring and expensive and pressure and overwhelming. But can I tell you, it feels so freeing to know that the engine in this ship is the presence of the Lord. And if we can just stay pure and right and our ears listening to the voice of the Lord and valuing and following his presence, I believe everything's going to be. Okay, number one is encounter God. Number two is his freedom. His freedom. Listen, I'm not just talking about getting free. I've watched so many, I was raised in the church, I've watched so many people get hands laid on them and they got free and they got slain in the spirit and they got shaken and they got, they got free. But then two weeks later, they went right back into the junk they were in just to seek another experience, another revival. So they take another trip. But John chapter eight, verse 36, Jesus said, who the son if the Son makes you free, you shall be, say it with me. If the Son makes you free, say it with me. You shall be free indeed. You know what that means? It means you stay free. I love to have encounters with God. I'm telling you, I've been slain in the Spirit. I'm telling you, I have had Holy Ghost goosebumps. I have had chills. I've danced before the Lord. I've jumped before the Lord. I've laid before the Lord. I've been in revivals. I've been in all kinds of things. But it's not just that experience that matters. How are you when you get up? Are you free? Are you healed? Are you well? Or do you need another experience? That's why encountering God is first. But walking in freedom, walking in freedom, his freedom, who the sun sets free is free indeed. We live in a world of Instagram. We live in a world of Facebook. We live in a world of people know how to put the best freedom pictures on there. Right? You ever, you ever pulled up one of those pictures and you look and you're like... Girl, that ain't her. I saw her yesterday. That's 40 pounds ago. What are you talking about, girl? <laughs> Throw that filter on. See, we put those freedom filters on. Boy, that boy's ugly. He doesn't look like that. 
What's he doing? They try to act and walk and get things looking right. Walk into church all dressed up. How are you doing? Blast. I'm doing good, blast. You ain't blessed. You're hurting. You need some freedom in your life. Somebody say amen. See, God just doesn't want us to encounter him. He wants us to be changed and free. He's not against the experience, but he wants the change from the inside out. The sun makes you free. You're free indeed. And then number three is your destiny. Your destiny. Encounter God, his freedom, your destiny. Uh, destiny, we, you know, use the word destination. It's a place that you're going to. God has not called you just to exist. God has not called you just to get through life and at the end of your journey you go, well, I guess that was the will of God. That's not true. I believe a lot of people don't walk in the will of God. Because they don't know the will of God. And they just settle for whatever they settle with. But let me tell you, you were created for a purpose. You were created for a specific purpose in your life. God doesn't just free you from something. He frees you to something. He didn't just free you from Egypt and leave you in the wilderness. He freed you from Egypt to bring you into Canaan land. I believe a lot of people sink back into bondages because they've never been delivered into their promised land. They've gotten free and they're sitting in the wilderness and they're talking about the leeks and the onions and how good it used to be. But God wants to deliver you from and into your destiny, into your purpose in life, into your plan and your calling. That's what God's called us to. Romans 12, 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is giving us, given us, let us use them. Notice he says, having then gifts according to the grace. Your gifts have to line up with your graces. The batteries have to fit the power tool. Sometimes people are happy they have a power tool, but they have the wrong batteries they're sticking in there. And they wonder, why isn't my gift working? You got the wrong batteries. Sometimes we look at other people's gifts and we say, I want those gifts. When you're never called to those gifts, God's given you graces and they're for the gifts and the place that he's called you to. And that's where real fulfillment comes when you're in the place that God's called you to. Your, your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are for the people sitting around you. That's why sometimes we use, we take our gifts and we say, I don't know what I do with all these gifts. Use them. Cook for someone else. Bless someone else. Encourage someone else. Love someone else. The gifts are not for you. They're for those around you. Serve God by serving people. Love God by loving people. Ephesians 2.10 says, Where is workmanship created in Christ? For good works. Well, I don't believe in works. I'm not talking about works for salvation. Jesus has already paid that in the price. I'm talking about works for fulfillment of your purpose. He's already blazed the trail for you and you're trying to blaze your own. That's why you're so tired. So what's your destiny? Find where the Lord's already blazed the trail. Follow him. Follow him. Encounter God, his freedom, your destiny. Let me tell you what our vision is. Our vision. Our vision. Just a little bit of expansion of, a, of, our, um, of our mission. You know, I heard someone say, by the way, they said, marry the mission, but date the method. 
marry the mission. In other words, your mission won't change. Your mission will always be the same. But your method, your ways to get there might adjust and alter and change. But we're still always going to be going after encountering God, walking in freedom, and live out the destiny. Now, our vision has to do with Jesus' vision because really we don't have a different ministry than the ministry of Jesus. Jesus defines his whole ministry with these two verses that I see, and I just want to point you to these two. Number one is John 10.10. John 10.10, Jesus said, and we're answering the question, why did Jesus come? The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy But I have come, Jesus is telling why he came to earth. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus did not come only for your eternal life. Some people think the reason he came is so that you go to heaven. It is. That's not the only reason he came. He said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Well, what's full life? What is the full life? Well, this is where Luke chapter 4 explains it. The Bible says that he, he opened up the book of Isaiah and he found this in Luke chapter 4 and he explains what full life is. It's six things that Jesus came to provide. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, he's anointed me. Two, and he gives six things. To preach the gospel to the poor. That's to get people saved. To heal the brokenhearted. That's to bring healing to the whole man, to the whole person. To proclaim liberty to the captive. What is that? It's liberty, freedom. Not just freedom from jail or prison, but freedom on the inside. Because you can never fulfill the plan of God for your life when you're in chains. You can't walk freely, run freely, free someone else when you're in shackles and chains. And I'm not talking about physical chains. I'm talking about mental chains, spiritual chains bondages and he says i came to proclaim liberty to the captive and then he says recovery of sight to the blind notice they weren't born blind they lost their sight that's why he said recovery of the sight what is he saying there's things that the enemy has pulled you down got you sick got you in bondage and pulled you underneath And you need recovery. You need restoration. It's like that old car that needs to sit in the garage and get off the road for a while so that you can work on it. You can't drive the car on the road and restore the car at the same time. Some people need to sit under the word of God and get restored. Spirit, soul, body. To where they are a brand new person again and walk free and have a renewed mind and a new renewed sense of victory again. That's what Jesus came for. Saved, healed, freed, restored. And then what? Set at liberty those who are oppressed. What is set at liberty? It's to release people into their calling. See, when you're underneath, you don't even feel, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, But the enemy has sometimes bound you so much that you never see yourself fulfilling the plan of God for your life again. And Jesus said that part of the anointing on his life and his ministry is to not only save you, heal you, deliver you, restore you, but to release you. And then I love the last one. He says, and to proclaim... Uh, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. One translation says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
has come. In other words, you don't just, you're not just released and say, let's see how you do. No, you're released with the blessing. You're released with the hand of the Lord. You're released with the favor of God on your life. Listen, Jesus' ministry is our ministry. Our ministry we picked up. Jesus is forever sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Who's going to make his enemies his footstool? Oh, Jesus, I just pray that you'd come down here. Jesus is not going to come down here. He already came down here. He already defeated death, hell, and the grave. It says in Romans chapter 10, not to call God from up above. We're not asking him to come down. He already came down. Then he said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go. Be empowered. He's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for you and I to realize that we have authority in the name of Jesus to save, heal, free, deliver, release, and call people into the favor of God in their life. That's our ministry. There isn't a different ministry. Well, that church is called to the... No, no, this is the ministry of Jesus. So life to the full is saved, healed, delivered, restored, released, favored. <laughs> you ever pulled into one of those car washes? Pulled into one of those car washes, and they said, what kind of car wash would you like? You like the $5 car wash where they just squirt that little soap? You know, they start there, and you get the dust off your car. Or do you want the car car wash that has the hot wax, you know, on there? I don't know what they do. but And then they have the one with the tires and a couple more bucks. And then, then you have the one. And then they have the one with the armor all inside. And then they have the full package where you have to just check your car in. And he does a complete auto detail. Can I tell you, Jesus' ministry is for you to have a complete detail. But some people are just getting the cheap wash going to heaven see you there our word for this year 2021 the lord really identified isaiah 60 with us was this listen in fact look at it arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you where is the glory of the lord seen in heaven on us where do you see the reflection of the lord see it's, you're not the Lord, but you reflect the Lord. The mirror isn't the person, but the mirror reflects the person. The glory of the Lord isn't seen on the Lord. The glory of the Lord is seen on you. But there's so much darkness in this world. I just see all the darkness. Now let's read, keep reading. For darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon where is the glory of the Lord seen? So when we look at the world, what do we see? Come on. When we look at the world, what do we see? When we look at the people in the world, what do we see? Deep darkness. When the world looks at us, what do they see? Glory. 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 But if we keep talking about the darkness, guess what we're reflecting? Stop talking about the, the Bible says it's shameful for them to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Quit talking about all that darkness and mess. So turn it off. How do you reflect the glory of the Lord? Well, you got to spend time in the presence of the Lord. How did Moses reflect the glory of the Lord? Right? What's the perfect law of liberty? You look into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and you continue in it, and you start reflecting the glory of the Lord. That's how we reflect the glory of the Lord. So this year, I really felt like the Lord is saying there's darkness that's going to hit this world already hitting this world but don't worry about it there's glory over memphis tabernacle there's glory over the people there's glory over the church 
Let me talk about our culture for a minute. How do we measure culture? How do we measure culture, culture, culture? Every organization has culture. Culture trumps vision. Be like you have an excellent chef, hired chef, and they put out this beautiful meal, but it's on a dirty plate. The culture is the plate. The beautiful meal is the chef. Nobody wants a great vision, an aspiring vision, a powerful vision with dirty culture. We have a clean culture. One of the things that people will say about the church when they come in is there's, there's clean air in here. There's good atmosphere in here. That's culture. It's something you don't see. It's something that's below the surface. The culture, I believe, is not just come up with what's the seven words that we identify with with culture because I really want to be multicultural and I really want to be mission-driven and I really want to be, and because that could sound like a good culture. No, listen, when we go back to the culture, I think our culture should reflect the way if we could see into the spirit, it should reflect the spirit culture. The Bible says that the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh are evident and they're this, but the works of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, it's the evidence of the spirit, the attributes of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such such, such a law. That's the culture of the spirit. It's not the destination. They're not going there, but that's that's if you were to look at it and say, oh, that's a green tree. No, you were to say that that tree is, has the fruit of love, joy, peace, all those things. Uh, we carry the culture of the Spirit. Our culture at Memphis Tabernacle is as important as our vision. We're not here to get a vision and roll over people and stomp on people. That's not how the Lord does it. We carry the culture of the Spirit. We carry love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. So let me, let me summarize the culture of these things with five, five words. Number one is love. Our culture, say the word love, would you? Love. We love God and we love people at all times. We cannot skip over that. We can't stomp on people to get to people. We love God and we love people. Number two, joy. Say joy. Joy is not a response to everything going right. Joy is something you choose. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. What, what Spirit? It's your human spirit that was born of the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it's also the fruit of your spirit. In other words, the DNA of the Spirit and the DNA of your spirit is love, joy. You have love. You don't need to pray for love. You have joy. You don't need to pray for joy. You just need to walk in it. You have forgiveness. Some people are, again, waiting. I'll forgive. It's going to take me so long to forgive. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. You have to do it by faith. So we choose joy. We choose the joy of the Lord, our strength. There's a lot of people who don't have strength because they don't have joy. And the reason they don't have joy is because they're waiting for it to come on them. Joy will not fall on you. You have to choose it. You have to walk in it. Just like muscles won't pick up this, this table or pick up this and say, I'm just waiting for my muscles to choose that bottle. No, I, I use the bottle and pick it up. You have to grab joy and pick it up and say, on my most depressed day, I have the joy of the Lord because my spirit's born again. Come on, say it. I have the joy of the Lord. I have the peace of God. I have long suffering. See, that's the, the joy. So love, joy. We choose the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Number three is presence. Our culture is presence. I am, I, 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 I'm pretty aware of just about everybody in this room. 
in some way, I'm, I'm watching you and you're watching me and I'm seeing where you are with receiving or you're tired or you're falling asleep or you're, or you're there, you're ready for lunch or those kinds of things. I'm kind of perceptive. But can I tell you what I want to be even more perceptive of is, is the presence of God. God, are you here in this place right now? God, are you speaking? God, are you present? God, are you here? Because if you're not, let's just stop things. Let's go somewhere else. Let's do something else. Presence. We stay aware we stay conscious of the presence of God and the peace of God. See, the peace comes with the presence. I'm going through so much hell. It's because you don't have the presence of God. It's one of the best things that causes peace. When God's, when God's presence shows up, it's kind of like you're in a crisis and that trusted friend shows up and you're like, I know nothing's changed, but I feel better already. That's what happens. You walk into the presence of God and you go, I know nothing's changed, but he's here with me. And I'm conscious of his presence. Number four is humility. Humility. We use the word humiliation. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to, everybody wants to be a servant until they're treated like one. Treat me like that. I thought you wanted to be a servant. Make me a servant. Heck no, you ain't going to make me a servant. No, listen, humility. Humility is what it's coming under. It's coming under. We serve one another with humility and grateful hearts. You know what that means? It means we stay thankful. You cannot complain and be thankful at the same time. If you're complaining, you're not grateful. If you're grateful, you're not complaining. The best thing you can do to get that attitude out of you is to begin to think. Come on, do it with me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Humility, grateful hearts. And then last of all, on the summary of this culture is this. It's all in. Can you say all in? You know what all in means? It doesn't mean the Pareto principle. 20% of people do 80% of the work. I, do, I, I speak over this church. We are not going to be the Pareto principle of 20% of people do 80% of the work. We're all in. In Jesus' name. Come on, we're all in. Say it with me. We're all in. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together, not 20% of them, when brethren dwell together in unity. That's where the Lord commands the blessing. That's where the, 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 the anointing is on that place is we're all in people. We pursue excellence. I know control freaks are kind of like, Excellence, oh, excellence. No, no, I'm not talking about you ever, you always hit the target. But you always go. You pursue excellence and flow together in unity. So we're going to summarize our culture. It's love, joy, presence, humility, all in. I believe it summarizes somewhat the fruit of the Spirit. I'm almost done here. Uh, Gavin, can you come up and just stick with me on this because this is really important. I'll say it really quick. Date the model, marry the mission. Our model is this, encounter God, his freedom, your destiny. Would you look at me just for a moment? Reach up, reach up, reach in, reach out. Upreach, inreach, outreach. Look at encounter God, his freedom, inreach, outreach, your destiny. That's the plan of God for your life. No, listen. We this is the primary ways we encounter God is through our services. In fact, as of today, I want to switch the name of our services to Encounters. I was praying. I want, to, I want to switch them to say we have Sunday Encounters and we have Tuesday Encounters. We have a Sunday. Well, people won't understand that. They'll get it eventually. 
when they come in and encounter the Lord and they're like, what are you going to encounter today? No, we have Sunday encounters, Sunday worship encounters, Tuesday prayer encounters. His freedom, what is that? It means take the mask off, get a little bit deeper, get to know people, not just here in a crowd, but in a gathering where you can talk to one another, you can open up your lives. That would be our small groups, which we're going to change the name of small groups to freedom groups. Freedom groups. Uh, isn't that going to get confusing? Yeah, at first it will. You'll get used to it. Freedom groups. Why? Let me tell you why, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. So we're going to call it freedom groups, and then teams. Guess what we're going to call our teams? Not dream teams anymore. We're going to call them destiny teams. You know why? Because, listen, it's not about getting someone to get the work of the church done. Hey, could you help a brother out? Could you help us? Could you show up a little bit early? Could you do? No, it's all about this. It's all about you finding your purpose and using your gifts to bless others. Using your gifts to reach the world. It's not about a little Christian social club on this cruise ship. No, if we're not reaching out, listen, upreach, do it with me, upreach, inreach, outreach, outreach. If we're not reaching out to the world, if we're saying go to hell to all the world, but in here we're having a little revival, then I don't think we really carry the wholeness of the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord's out there as much as it's in here, maybe even more. The reason I want to change these names, Encounter Freedom Groups and uh, Destiny Teams is because of this. I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in our daily reading, and and Paul says, Now I plead you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you. He wasn't talking about strife and fighting. He was talking about different things. Oh, I follow this evangelist. Oh, I follow this prophet. Oh, I follow this. Oh, I'm going after this worship. Oh, I'm after, and and in there, oh, I was baptized by this. Oh, I was raised in this. That's what they were doing in here, and Paul said, I really couldn't speak straight to you because you're carnal, because you're dividing church, and you're all on lines, and most of the time, the reason why you draw those lines is to posture yourself as maybe you have a little bit more of an upper hand, and as I was reading it the other day, I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to pour out my spirit on this church, but I don't want there to be any divisions. <laughs> I want you to follow my spirit. And I want you to all speak the same thing. I was reminded in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verse 5, where the Bible says that the Lord looked down and he saw these people. They weren't doing the right thing. They were sinning. They were actually building something to, for themselves. And But God's commentary on it said, look, the people are united. They speak the same language. And God said this. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Why? Because when people think and speak in unity, something's released. Bad and good, something's released. So God had to confuse their languages. I believe that Satan, in a very divisive slide way, wants to come and say, here's something good. Here's something good. Here's something good. And it divides the whole church and the body of Christ to go after all these things because of the multiplicity of resources and all the things that we have. And the Lord's just saying, listen, book of Revelation to the seven churches. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to Memphis Tabernacle. I'm not saying we're the only church out there, but we are our church. And they are their church. We're not trying to get them to do what the Lord's saying to us. But I do believe that we need to let people encounter God, walk in freedom, live out their destiny. We're going to have encounters. We're going to have freedom groups. We're going to have destiny teams. 
We don't need more information, church. We need revelation. Let's speak the mission. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Father God, I pray for every person that's in this room today. Come on, just open up your hands to the Lord and say, God, if you're calling me here to Memphis Tabernacle, if you're calling me here to this church, would you align my heart? Would you confirm the same spirit that bears witness that we're the children of God is the same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us? Bear witness of where I'm supposed to be. Bear witness of my part to play. Adjust me. Adjust my plans. I don't like that. I don't like it. Lord, help me to get over this petty talk. Help me to align myself with kingdom ways. Because soon and very soon, it won't be about our retirement plan or how we've invested things or how we've gotten everything structured and right. Even if things go down, we're okay. No, you said, Lord, don't lay up treasures on earth. It's not that we're not supposed to be good stewards. But you said, make sure that you're kingdom-minded. Because the only commodity in heaven is people. <laughs> the only commodity in heaven is the person I pass by today that doesn't know you. Help me to be kingdom-minded. And Lord, I pray as a senior pastor here at Memphis Tabernacle that you would align our hearts to your spirit. Help us to follow you. Let the agendas of man and the flesh, let no man be glorified, but let the wisdom of God and the presence of God and the word of the Lord, Lord, help us to be precise and accurate and follow your voice. Call people in that are called here and people that are not called here, call them out. Get them out. Help us to be in unity, Lord. Help us to fulfill the mission and the plan and the purpose that you have for this house. And I pray that everybody here in this room and at home, I pray, Lord, that you'd confirm their hearts what they're supposed to do. Let them be in the perfect will of the Lord, corporately and individually, in Jesus' name. And if you don't know Jesus, would you just say this with me? Jesus, I repent of my sins. Just in your own heart, say, I repent of my sins turn from my own stupid ways and I ask you to come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior Jesus be the Lord of my life save me from this day forward I call myself a believer I receive your free gift of salvation heal me restore me thank you for it Lord and Lord I pray for every person in here who has a calling on their believe that the Lord is even right now in just these few seconds is restoring callings. He's breathing fresh wind back into your dry morsels, dry, your, your dry bones, things you've given up on right now. Let me pray over you. If you have a calling on your life, something in your life that you know the Lord's called you to do, would you just raise your hand and I want to pray for you right now all over this room. Lord, I pray, God, for people who have a calling on their life, who you've spoken and they're not here by accident today, and I pray that you'd breathe fresh wind. We put the sails up in the Spirit. And we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you would you set the wind into our sails and bring us to the place you've called us to do. We humble ourselves. We repent of our own ways. Let times of refreshing come in the presence. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Yeah.